Hello, and welcome back to the Let's Talk Race podcast. I am your host, Trey, and I'm here with my girl, Monique, to bring you another episode that's going to focus on gaslighting and racial gaslighting. But before we get into it, obviously, we got to talk about what this podcast is and what it's about, just in case you're a new listener. Um, This podcast is a podcast meant to create a safe space for people of color to address issues that relate to racial inequality, systematic oppression, and how to be active in making a positive impact within your own community. Yes, honey, we're here to spill the tea on how and why we need to dismantle and rebuild America's corrupt and racist system. So grab a cup and join us. All right. So how are you doing today, Monique? Hey, I'm popping now. I always love hearing you read that. I'm like, yeah. yes. <laughs> I always feel so much pressure when I read it. I'm always so stressed out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I feel like I got to put on a little personality. And then I'm like, if I stumble, I'm like, oh, got to redo it. But, you know, we get it done every time. Um, <laughs> all right. So we're going to start off the podcast again, just talking about gaslighting and racial gaslighting. Um, originally, I had said that I wanted our first podcast to be about the origins of race. That was until I had an experience at a gas station. And I was like, you know what? We're going to rewind it. We're going to talk about gaslighting because I was gaslighted by someone at a gas station recently. So Monique, um, Monique is going to start by telling us what is gaslighting? What is racial gaslighting? And how does it affect people of color? Who? that's intense. But yes, gaslighting, it's a form of manipulation, psychologically abusive behavior. Um, it's basically when someone tries to undermine you, like the person who was undermining you at the gas station and starts to make you question your lived experience through something. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they're questioning your judgment, your perception, your memory. Are you sure that that's really right. what happened? And so with racial gaslighting, it's, it's the exact same thing. It's when you feel like you've experienced racism, someone else is Ooh, actually that wasn't racism, which is actually right. a form of racial trauma. Right, exactly. And I really wanted to do this episode today because how can we make progress in society if people don't even know what gaslighting is and when it's happening or how to even respond to that? So I thought, you know, before we even kind of dive deeper into these conversations about race, we need to teach people about what gaslighting is because who knows, we might get gaslighted for this conversation. Somebody might come at us. So at least they're going to know what they're doing while they're doing it. (laughs) And we can just respond to that later on. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we're going to get into it. And I I wanted to kind of start off by talking about the history of that word. Um, Now, I am not an expert, Um, just a disclaimer. I was doing a little bit of history on it because I wanted to make sure that the information I was sharing with you all was um, relatively accurate to what actually happened in history. So according to the National Center of Biotechnology um, Information, let's see. Oops, I lost my notes. Sorry. Um, So from 1930, the word is from a 1938 play called gaslight where a man slowly dims a gas lamp over time and makes his wife feel like she's crazy for thinking the light is getting dimmer so you know gaslighting making making her think it's good that she's crazy even though it's getting dimmer in there same is with racism making someone think i don't know that didn't really happen maybe you should rethink your process of thinking or your own emotions and make them feel bad about it um so like monique said it's basically a form of manipulation and it's a way to change the narrative of what people are actually experiencing and trying to express um i also saw that it's it and and it is used as a weapon of white supremacy and i kind of just went into this little rabbit hole i was telling her this morning as i was doing the research i fell into this little rabbit hole (laughs) about 
gaslighting and it it took me to a section all about the science of eugenics um which was created to justify racism and i guess that does connect to the origins of race in general so i guess we are kind of touching on that a little bit too today um but if you don't know what the eugenics movement was that gained popularity in the early 1900s but it was present between the 1800s maybe even before that I don't know but I remember reading that between the between 1800s and 1900s the science was being developed as to how to arrange reproduction within a human population to increase the occurrence of heritable characteristics regarded as desirable so eugenics means well-born so they basically wanted to like study people and maintain the people who are like the most desirable so creating this hierarchy in society already am I saying that right so far am I doing that am I doing it right okay okay (laughs) all right (laughs) again I'm not an expert I'm just like I'm learning as I go to so I'm reading notes that I just kind of threw in here um it says that this was developed by Francis Galton Galton as a method of improving the human race by encouraging the fittest members of society to have more children so basically this science which wasn't even based on genetics um would deem families or individuals as fit or unfit or genetically inferior based on um eugenic belief that complex human traits were controlled by single genes and therefore inherited in a predictable pattern and eugenics um the eugenics movement was one of the basis of ethnic biases and 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 racism today basically it's the reason for it um and then i fell you know more into the bunny hole (laughs) and i learned how america actually influenced influenced hitler's idea you know in terms of getting rid of all of these jewish people or you know putting them in concentration camps and if you don't have blonde hair blue eyes you're out kind of thing like got that from americans so that was also like oh my gosh when i learned that <laughs> and it just keeps going further and further i'm not gonna keep talking about it because again i am not a historian but i just wanted to put that information in your brains if you're listening that that is really the basis of ethnic bias and racism and um gaslighting is basically used to continue to weaponize that and and maintain white supremacy so that people of color aren't able to thrive and advocate for themselves and and really get the help and support and resources that they need okay i'm done (laughs) how'd i do (laughs) Monique. Hello. Oh my goodness. Can you hear me? Oh my gosh. What happened? <laughs> no. no. I can hear you. You can't hear me. This is crazy. No, I can hear you now. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. That okay. was weird. I'm gonna- we're going to edit that out. Yeah, we'll try and edit it out. And if I can't figure it out, guys, we're just going to leave it in there because I'm not a, I'm not a techie person like that, too, you know. So, well, whatever. We're just going to keep the conversation yeah. going. Yeah, all right. Yeah, let's keep it going. I was okay. saying I'm glad you talked about Hitler because sometimes I get concerned that when we talk about racial gaslighting that people are like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like there aren't huge consequences to that if someone just doesn't believe you that racism is happening. Right. But when you talk about the larger context, specifically tied to medicine, there was other pseudoscience that was created in the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s that that said that black people don't feel pain, mm-hmm. that we are more animalistic and even today in the medical field black mothers are more likely to die than white mothers because no one is taking their complaints seriously when they're saying they're feeling pain and and that's a huge concern right so when we talk 
about black people don't go to the doctor there is there's good reason behind that because we have this science of white men saying well actually this is true about black bodies and we don't have the autonomy to say no this is true about my body i'm living in it i know what's happening so even though it seems like eh, it's just a little thing it's a big thing when connected yes. to the it is a very very big thing and just something another thing i want to throw out there is that if you are someone who goes to the doctor and you you express a concern and the doctor you know refuses or you know tries to make it seem like you don't need that if you've expressed this concern and they deny you further treatment or, or whatever the case may be you need to Ask them to document that refusal so that it is on record. Because if it's documented and something happens, um, there's that accountability piece. And that's something that I actually learned via Instagram. Thank you. Um, but, but, you Shout know, I didn't. Yeah, right. I didn't know that before that if I go to the doctor and the doctor tells me, I don't think that's it, or no, we're not going to do that, that I can ask them and legally they have to document that refusal i've heard stories of doctors coming back after denying treatment to people of color after they've expressed you know to document it and they say oh well uh, maybe we can't do something about it maybe we can't help you you know because they don't want they don't want those problems and it's like you have to know that stuff and you have to be able to advocate for your stuff in or advocate for yourself in those ways. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I did not know that until like a couple months ago. Yeah, it's crazy that we have to do that in 2020, but guys, this is where we are. These are the effects of living under white supremacy in this country for over 400 years. Exactly. So um, now that we're kind of done talking about the history of that word and connections to modern day science and medicine, we're going to talk a little bit about just common phrases um, and different situations that gaslighting can happen so that you know how to identify when it's happening or so that you can advocate for yourself or be able to respond to that more effectively. Um, So I'm going to start just by talking about some commonly understood phrases like, I can't be racist. I have a black friend. Or why do you keep bringing up race all the time? You're just being overly sensitive. Those phrases um, are very commonly used today. And it's very um, dismissive. It's and it's 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 very ignorant, in my opinion, because if someone tells me I'm not racist because I have a black friend, mm, I'm going to think you're more I'm (laughs) I'm going to think that you're more racist. (laughs) <laughs> that you t- because you told me that <laughs> like you're gonna yeah, justify because, that? right that's gaslighting right right like you're gonna tell me that oh no I have a black friend so I'm good like no that's not how it works <laughs> no and for a person to even think that just having one black person in their life or one black co-worker or acquaintance means that you are not racist is completely ridiculous because you can be a racist this person and have friends who are people of color and have these implicit biases that you're not even aware of you could be gaslighting them and saying these common phrases that I've just said to you to them and you don't even know it so that one please stop that one and then why do you keep bringing up race all the time I hate this one I hate this one because it is so disrespectful first of all and so dismissive to the experiences of people of color and it just basically communicates at least to me that you know what whatever's happening to to you is just not a big deal it's not it's really not and I'm tired of hearing you talking about it so rather than look at the picture and all of the injustice that is happening and all of these things and address it and help you'd rather just I'm annoyed this is too much. Like it feels more like a burden. And that needs to stop too. Same with telling people you're just being overly sensitive. Do not tell 
people of color who have experienced racism or sharing their experiences about racism that they're being overly sensitive, especially when, you know, white people don't really experience that to the degree that black people do. So those are common ones. Any questions? Any comments, Monique? <laughs> um, the, I was just getting triggered, <laughs> legit, hearing you read those because I've heard them so many times, so many times. Yep. And for me, it's just, this is a time to end the conversation with this person right. because there's nothing I can say to explain to you why what you did was offensive. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, that's the whole, that's the rabbit hole I get in when I'm gaslit. It's like, I, I want to get out of this situation, but I don't even know the words to say because I thought I said very clear words and they right. weren't believed. They weren't heard. <laughs> very clear words. <laughs> Some I use my words. <laughs> right. <laughs> like when my second graders use your words. Use right. your words, use your words, use your words. <laughs> No, I do. I get triggered by that, too. Um, the next one I'm going to talk about is gaslighting in a larger context. And Monique, I kind of want you to jump in on this one, too. I'm going to, like, talk about the examples that we have. But if you want to just jump in and say anything about them, you know, afterwards. Yeah, because go ahead. we're, yeah, the phrases that you mentioned were things you've heard, things that I've heard, yes. things that other Black people have heard. But there's also gaslighting in the news. It constantly is coming up with events that are ha happening in our country. And people may not be aware that their response to those events are gaslighting. Right. And one that I experienced after Mike Brown was murdered was, well, if he didn't resist arrest. Right. If he didn't go up to the police officer, then he would still be alive. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. crazy. We're it's blaming the person who was murdered. Right. <laughs> for being murdered. On being murdered. Like, <laughs> if only on. you had just acted differently, you would not be murdered. And I think um, we didn't put this in the notes or, or you did. But that's why George Floyd's murder is hitting so many people so hard because they were so used to having those responses. Right. When there's another report of a black man being murdered by a police officer, it's, uh, I still think he kind of deserved it, though. Right. Like, like that gaslighting. Who are and you? when black people were taking to the streets saying black lives matter. We were saying, no, it matters that that young man, that boy, that girl, that woman was murdered by a police officer. They were unarmed. Right. There's no reason why an unarmed person should die in police custody. Yes, I agree. So really 100%. Check, yeah, really check when you're when you're hearing those things on the news, really challenge yourself to not blame the victim. Right. Yeah. Obviously, you know, I believe that, you know, if you do the crime, you do the time, but excessive force is not always necessary. Like, and, and I feel like personally, if you're a person who responds like that, you have no heart. There is no humanity, like there is no humanity in that. It's very dehumanizing. You might as well look at him and say that he's three fourths of a person again and that he's just, you know, nothing. He's just not any more valuable than the dirt that you walk on. And that is just, I just, that's something that is very hurtful. That's very, very hurtful and very, very disrespectful because it's just, there's no sympathy. There's no empathy. There's no care in that. I don't understand that, but we won't yeah. stay on that one. Um, the next one that's in a larger context is all lives matter. Oh, I hate all lives matter. My little <laughs> sister, my little sister, I remember uh, like last month, she said, Trey, is all lives matter a good thing? And I said, oh, girl, no, no, <laughs> it is not a good thing because, and you know what, I've seen all these memes and things like that making fun of it in all honesty because it's just ignorant. Like, because first of all, the Black Lives Matter organization campaign has never said nobody else's life matters except Black people. Nobody ever said that. It wasn't like, we're better, here we go, marching down the street, we're great, like, we matter, <laughs> and everybody else, right. you can just, boop, move to the side. It wasn't like that. And it just, All Lives Matter completely drew away from the intentions and the reasonings behind the Black Lives Matter campaign and organization, which was to advocate for Black people who have been oppressed 
and who have died at the hands of police officers, white supremacists, and things like that. People didn't care. They just said, all lives matter. Hey, did you say black? No, all. It's like, okay, that's fine. Yes, we all do. But can we talk about this? You know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to (laughs) do? I'm a... I said on Christmas, I said, I'm going to wear a shirt that says all birthdays matter. And then I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this so far. I'm going to take it so, so far. I'm going to say all birthdays matter. All birthdays. And I'm going in. I'm going to just be be super ridiculous at every holiday, at every re- event, and just say, oh, if someone says they love a chocolate donut, oh, my gosh, I love chocolate donuts. All donuts matter, okay? Like, because <laughs> like, that's how ridiculous right. it is. It's just right. Right. It's so disrespectful. It's ridiculous. There is no purpose in it to me. I don't understand it because – to me i'm like yeah i know like i know that we all know that so thank you thank you for that if you're done (laughs) right but okay and i think too with the all lives matter it's like you said ignorance because black lives matter came as a direct response to black people being murdered unarmed black people being murdered by police and it's just like in the 50s and 60s where men black men would have to walk around with the sign that says i am a man right and that was a response to them not being treated like men being treated as less than human so people really need to understand that these phrases that we come up with aren't out of what you said, a a sense of racial superiority. It's a sense of, I have been oppressed. I've been living in this system of white supremacy. And I'm starting to internalize some of the things that you're saying about me. So I need to loud and proud express the opposite. I am a man. Black lives do matter. Black is beautiful. And if your response to that response is to say, no, you're not, you're just perpetuating the problem. Right, exactly. Yes. Please stop the all lives matter. Stop Please. that. Just stop it. Stop. Stop, stop, stop. It's ridiculous. Shame on you. Detention to all of you. okay i'm gonna just touch on the next two i feel like we're going real hard on each one we said we were just gonna like give examples and move on Uh, but we're getting all (laughs) hyped up about them the next one is you know you're playing the race card there is like come on now just that one's just gotta go and this one is another one i hate black on black crime but black on black crime but black on black crime. It's it's kind of like the all lives matters thing. We're not talking about that. You know, it's you know, it's not I'm not going to go to the cancer event that's talking about breast cancer and say <laughs> I don't know some like thyroid cancer matters or that thyroid cancer is also happening too and it's in a, a an atrocity like same same concept. That one needs to stop. So, um after those, yeah, so those, those are the big ones. Yeah, those are the big ones. So I'll get into some of the more sneaky ones yeah. that may people may not know are gaslighting. So I know that last year I saw a video <clears throat> of a black college student addressing all of her white counterparts who were coming into the multicultural center. And she was basically saying in her video very, very well this center is not for you. This is a center for us because we are on a predominantly white campus and this is the one space that's carved out for us. And everybody flipped out. Multicultural means for everyone, including white people. And that again is a a problem of white supremacy because the multicultural center was not designed to be for everyone. And calling it the multicultural center made it, made white people feel more comfortable but that's not what its intent was right intent was what it has always been that black people non-white people have not been welcome in this space and you can just look at the history of any predominantly white college and you can find where black people couldn't even live in the dorms or eat in the in the dining halls so if a response to that is to say we're going to create a space that's for you on campus 
you can't then say, well, white people should be able to, to be welcome in there as well, because right. that's not what its intent was. Right. Exactly. I agree um, with that 100%. Another one, because we both work at a predominantly white school, is the is the statement that kids need to see themselves reflected on the walls, right? And that was mm-hmm. a statement, again, that came from Black students, brown students in our district, not seeing themselves represented by their teachers and their books, pictures on the wall, books in the right. library, anything. And so we were saying we need to have more black characters, more brown characters, more black teachers. Mm -hmm. But because we weren't saying specifically we're wanting to help the black and brown students and even the white students to decenter whiteness in their life, it became, oh, so if I'm at a white school, I should have white pictures all over the walls and talk about white history and it's just no that wasn't the intent that was not the intent I had no idea about that dude that's oh my that's ridiculous yes so I think part of this though is that we we try to really make our language be as benign as possible to not offend white people but then they don't understand what we're trying to say Right. So I personally am trying to be very explicit of I'm not saying every child needs to see themselves represented. I'm saying every child needs to see black and brown people represented in a multitude of ways at right. school. Yeah, I love that. That's a much if better don't way put to put that in there. Then people get confused. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I like um, that. And yeah, and the other terms of like white fragility, white privilege, which was popularized by a white woman, like black people have been saying we are oppressed by white supremacy for over 400 years, but we didn't say it nice enough. We weren't respectful enough. We weren't subservient enough and it hurt people's feelings. So we need to come up with all of these terms that protect white people's feelings so they don't disengage from conversations about racism. Yeah, That's gaslighting because I can't speak in my authentic voice because me speaking in my authentic voice will only reinforce for you a need to support and perpetuate white supremacy. Oh my God. It's sneaky, but it's there. That one, that's interesting too, because I I guess I've always heard those terms, like you said, but I never really thought of it as a way to coddle white people so they don't feel bad when we talk about racism. And I'm like, no, they need to feel bad. We all need, you guys need to feel bad because if you don't feel bad, then we're not going to change anything. It's going to continue to stay the same. There has to be a level of vulnerability in it. And it's like for people of color who have experienced all of this trauma and all of these different sort of injustices throughout their lives, like we have no choice but to be vulnerable with people and talk about it so that people are aware. So again, that that is another privilege that white people would have and just being able to, oh, I feel bad about this. So now I'm being coddled and now there's all this language to make me feel less bad about this conversation instead of keeping the attention on people of color who are experiencing racism and all of these super negative things in their lives. Crazy. Right. Not crazy. I need to stop saying crazy. That's another thing, too. I try to catch myself because I don't like when white people, if I say share um, a racist experience, I don't like when they say, wow, wow, that's crazy. Like, it's not crazy. And I think it's it's up to all of us to normalize that. So, I, you know, obviously I'm a person, too. I slipped up. I still say some stuff is crazy when it's really not crazy. It's it's something that's normal that people aren't used to hear hearing um being like spoken about in the open okay yeah all right so now we're gonna get into some some more personal experiences with gaslighting uh do you want to go first or yeah and I'll just share one um so yeah because we're teachers and I've always worked in an elementary school and it's always bothered me when white teachers would refer to the black students at our school as athletes. 
So you know how you get your new class list at the beginning of the year and you talk to their former teachers. What can you tell me about this person? And I would hear, you know, reading levels. I would hear this person's really social or really chatty. But usually when we got to the black boys, it was always something about how athletic they were. And that right. bothered me because I'm not a PE teacher, right? Right. <laughs> I don't need to. Why is that relevant in the conversation when we're talking about students and right. their academic abilities? Or, I mean, I've gotten that that boy has really good abs. And yeah, he's going to play football when he goes to high school, which right. also bothered me because who talks about in elementary school? What are you going to do when you get to high school? Right. It's always, what are you going to do when you grow up? Right. But when, when we're talking about the black students, that never happened. So I addressed it with some of my white colleagues and they're like, Monique, what are you talking about? Extracurriculars are important. A lot of black students really like playing football and basketball when they get to high school. Why is it bad that we're recruiting them to do that when they're in third grade? And I was just like, I don't even know how to respond to that oh statement. Gosh. Because what you just said is so bonkers to me. Right. That is crazy to me. It's <laughs> you like, would say it's that. like conditioning. Yeah. Of you're not in school to learn how to read or to learn to do math. You're in school to play sports. Right. And you're exactly. teaching them that when they're in kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And so right. then we get to our, our stats of less than half of the black students in our district learn how to read on grade level. And it's like, this is why, because right. their teachers are not seeing them as students. And when I try to express that to them, no, that, that's not what's happening. Sports really are important. I'm like, did you hear me say sports aren't important? Or did you hear me say right. we shouldn't be focusing on all, all lives what matter. these boys are doing <laughs> in high school? We should be focused on how do we teach this baby to read? Right, exactly. No, I totally agree with that. It's that's ridiculous, but it, it's very, very true. It's still true today. So, yeah, that was a good one. Um, mine, I always go to the example of my relationship. So I am with a white man. I have been with him. I think our anniversary is coming up on Monday. And I think it's six years, hey. six years, right. maybe seven years. Um, you know, and growing up, like, I didn't discriminate. I was just like, whatever. Like, if you're cute, you're cute. If you treat me right, you treat me right. Like, that's great. Um, but, you know, I'm with a white guy. So we did have to have talks and we still continue to have lots of talks surrounding racism, surrounding white supremacy, surrounding oppression um, in, in the society that we live in today. I really challenge John to think about those topics and address them and talk about them because I'm black. You know, <laughs> I'm black, he's white, and at the end of the day, regardless of if my kids are going to be black and white, they're going to experience racism to a degree because they're going to have brown skin, which, you know, I mean, I know some yeah. come out and they don't, but nine times out of ten, I'm pretty sure they're probably going to have brown skin. So, the, John, it, to me, as a future mom, it's important that the man that I'm with is willing to address those conversations and have those conversations, because if you can't, then you can't be there for my kids. You can't support my kids and you can't support me. And I don't want a man like that. I don't need a man like that. And, I, you know, you can get to stepping real quick. I don't care how long we've been together. So that was something wow. that was, yes, seriously. And John knows that I feel this way. Um, when we would first start having conversations about race and when we first started dating, I would tell him, you know, don't take me to smaller towns because they go on motorcycle rides and stuff like that. So <laughs> I'd be like, don't take me to smaller towns. And he'd gaslight me by saying, oh, racism isn't that bad. Like, you know, you're worrying too much. You know, he'd give me a little bit of those things. And, you know, obviously for John as a white man, like his perception, his experience was a lot different than I was. When we met, we were 19. But those were the types of things he was saying to me. Um, and initially he would get very offended he would feel very guilty get very defensive and I just had to like break it down to him just how dismissive how disrespectful how 
hurtful it was to me and how and like why I felt the way that I felt in terms of like our future kids in terms of what's happening in society today in terms of myself and my own personal thought process and it it took I mean it didn't take him a very long time honestly anytime I get upset like John's like I want to fix it you know but but (laughs) but you know we did have to have some hard conversations and there were times where I did get my feelings hurt because of the gaslighting that John would do but I mean for me it's all about okay are you listening to what I'm saying are you open to what I'm saying are you accepting what I'm saying and are you applying what I'm saying and you know, I, luckily, I have a great guy. He's super chill, super mellow. He definitely balances me out. Um, but he's he's definitely way more willing to talk about racial issues. He doesn't do um, the gaslighting that he used to do. And he doesn't get offended. He doesn't feel guilty or any of those sorts of things that he felt initially. Now he understands. Now he knows what my expectations are going to be of him as a, a father in the future and as a husband to me as his black wife, you know? So, so um, you can even experience gaslighting with people in your relationship. If you're in an interracial relationship, nine times out of 10, you've probably experienced something along the same lines, especially if it's like a black and white relationship, but, or if you're just with someone who is a person of color, you have to be very mindful of how you speak to them about it. Um, Make sure you're not taking a a selfish approach, a one, one sided um, approach to the situation, because it is a very serious matter. It's something that's very important. And it's something that's going to directly affect you should you choose to continue to have these relationships with people of color regardless of if it's boyfriend girlfriend if it's friend father-in-law uncle cousin whatever you want to call it like you have to be willing to to do that and if you want to be able to maintain those relationships at least with me I don't know some people might be okay with it some people might let that slide but me no you gotta go if you can't so that's my story That's my story. Props to you for advocating to your, for <laughs> yourself, though, in your relationship. Because I always wonder about if people feel comfortable doing that in their personal relationships or talking to their parents or their cousins right. or their uncles. That's always difficult. So, yeah. Snaps. Yeah, it is. It's hard. It is very hard. You know, even when I was dating and growing up, like, I already had kind of this fear that whomever I ended up with that their parents might be racist or they might not like me. Like I've da- I remember I dated this Asian guy once and he wouldn't take me to go and meet his mom. And eventually I was like, you know, what is it? What is up? And he said, my mom doesn't want me to be with the black girl. She's racist. And so it's like, I think if you cannot realistically get into a relationship with someone who's of a different ethnic background than you or culture than you, um, you can't get into that relationship and not address those things. Those are really important things. If you're in a relationship and you haven't had that conversation about race and, and talk to their family about it, definitely apply the pressure. I can say that with John, he's made great progress. His sister's great, you know, and his family has made a lot of progress as you know, I've just been in their lives as well, but you have to just address it and confront it as it comes. And, you know, if there, if it's a family that, isn't listening to you or advocating for you, you probably don't want to be in that family anyway. So, so just keep it moving. You know, there's, there's plenty of fish in the sea. <laughs> All right. I love that. So let's see. So next we're going to talk about gaslighting in curriculum and schools because we're teachers. Um, and one thing that we heard that when we were going to those speak up, speak out events is this concept of erasure which Mm -hmm. is a form of gaslighting because gaslighting is all about the person rewriting the narrative from their perspective and totally dismissing the victim's view. So there are a couple of things that we've all learned as fact in school that are actually forms of gaslighting. Um, The biggest one I can think of is Oklahoma trail or the Oregon trail, that game that we played in school. Did you play that game? I don't, I don't remember. Okay, so I'm old, so this is for the old folks. When we played (laughs) Oregon Trail in school, and we loved just going around, shooting up the buffalo, and making it to Oregon, 
that was a white narrative. And as Mm -hmm. a black student, I never thought about how I'm playing a game about white people going across the land that is now the United States, stealing it from the indigenous people, killing off all the buffalo. Right. And like that was a game. And I played it and it was fun for me. And it was fun for a lot of 80s babies. That's what we enjoyed doing in computer class. But that's erasure. So that now when indigenous people are trying to like standing rock, say, hey, this is our land. We're fighting for our land. And people are like, no, you're crazy because I liked this game from when I was a child. And I don't see this as your land. I see you as interrupting the progress of America. And you can't do that because it's fun to win the game. So that's a huge one um, that's in our um, curriculum. And I was talking to a white woman yesterday just about her concept of feminism because she said, well, I'm a feminist and feminists are for all women. I said, no, feminism isn't for all women. If we think about the history of feminism in our country and we think about Seneca Falls, we think about the 19th Amendment, we think about women entering the workplace in the 50s, those are white female narratives. Black people, Black women in my family were working way before the 1950s. We didn't have the, oh, I'm only a housewife. Whatever shall I do? That was not our story. (laughs) That was a white woman's story. Right. And But I learned it as the feminist story, as if I could insert myself into that narrative when I couldn't. My grandmother was born in 1919. She didn't get the right to vote till 1965. Oh my god. So did did it matter to her that this amendment was passed when she was born? It didn't. So there are all of these different examples of of how we've just erased the history of people of color for this broader American story, which is a white narrative. Um yeah, so I don't want to go into the other examples. Those are just two really good ones um oh to mention goodness. to our listeners. Yeah, that's and good. then When we're thinking about what else is happening with gaslighting in schools, um, we've had some students in our district say, we don't even know who we can go to. Black students who have said, if my counselor is telling me I'm not fit to go to AP courses, or my principal is telling me how it's important to keep the standards of our school really high, so you really need to think about if you want to take this challenging course or not. Who do they get to go to? Right. Who is going to hear what they're saying and be like, wow, your teacher, your counselor, your principal should not say that to you. They can't go to those people because those people are the ones who are gaslighting them. And I feel that as a as a staff member, it's like, who do I go to if I'm having an issue with my colleague or my principal, who's my administrator? Who do I go to? And those those systems just don't exist which is crazy because we have systems for like, if people are bullied, even if I was sexually harassed, I feel like I have an avenue of getting support within my workplace, but racial harassment, there's nothing. It's like, Oh, can you really prove that that's what it was? Right. Is that really what happened? Because I don't think, I think you're just misinterpreting it. Right. Or just labeled as something else. Yep. The kids are feeling it. So we really have to take a look at our whole system. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I've never really thought about that either, but I really don't know who I would go to either in a situation where racism was occurring or if I would even be comfortable with going to an administrator or someone in my building, especially like if I don't know how they're going to receive it. Like, even if it's a friend, Mm -hmm. you know, someone that I've hung out with and, you know, that I'm cool with, but there's still like, I I agree. There needs to be that designated um, procedure, that person that you can go to and know that, okay, I can address my problems here. I can get support here. I can um, have someone advocate for me and, you know, something's going to be done about it versus potentially just, gaslighting it and labeling it something else and then as a result you know having these teachers continue to do the same thing and it's just not good just not good for our black and brown students 
All right. Yeah. Are you going to touch on any of those other ones or you want to kind of just. Um, well, uh, now that you said that, I just wanted to mention because <clears throat> there are some things that are seemingly woke. <laughs> I would say I've been calling it performative wokeness lately mm-hmm. of like our school will disaggregate data by race. So we can tell like how many suspensions or office referrals we have by race mm-hmm. or who, you know, reading and passing tests and things like that by race. But when we look at that data and ask teachers, like, what does this mean? That we'll get the, oh, well, black students are really in poverty and poverty is an issue or their parents don't really care about education and value it. So even when presented with the facts, like at our school, less than half of the black students learn to read on grade level we're still blaming the black students and their families for that reality. We're not saying, wow, we need to look at ourselves. We need to look at our system and see what we need to do differently. It's well, if their behavior was better and they could stay in class, then maybe, or if they get far enough behind, then we can just put them in special education. Then that will get them the help that they need. And we, it's hard for me as a black teacher to advocate for, no, that's not what we need to do for our kids. We right. need to stop blaming them and really look at what we're doing ourselves. Right. So it's just, it's, it's hard. The gaslighting in schools is, is hard for advocates like you and I to even solve the problem because the gaslight responses are so pervasive right. that it becomes the truth and everyone just believes it. And then it's okay that our, our stats look bad by race yeah. because, or the other one I hear is, well, it's bad everywhere. It's like, well, <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> okay. Oh, it's bad everywhere. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. Never so mind. it's okay that our stats are bad because it's bad everywhere. It's just gaslighting <laughs> drives me up the wall. Yeah. That's funny. Oh yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm hoping that, you know, whatever the processes that we're going through and the committees that we're on are like serious about, making an, a, a change and being kind of a, a leader in that because it's very important and honestly it'll it'll influence my um my, the actions that I take in the future in terms of my career as well because I am very serious very passionate about this um but yeah we're we're out here and we're trying we're advocating and we're you know hoping for the best but the gaslighting it does not help it does not help. Um, it just, it stops it, honestly. And it stops any progress. All right. Um, so we're going to kind of wrap it up. I wanted to end the episode by just talking about how can you take action if and when you see um, gaslighting happen? So I'm going to kind of break it down between like if you're a person of color, if you're black, um, or if you are someone who is white and like how you can support and, and just help in those situations. Um, but before I do that, I just have like some kind of general things that anyone could do. So if a black person tells you that they experience racial harm the simplest thing that you can do is believe them the the arguments the buts the trying to reason through it and make them feel as though it's not what they experience is not helpful it's not beneficial um and it's just not necessary just believe them and then respond with empathy instead of asking questions Um, report the racism and use your voice to amplify their message so it's not like just black people can be out here like advocating and and messaging companies and businesses you're a white person you can do the same thing and just communicate hey I saw this happen at your business and your employee was being racist and in my eyes they represent you and your ideologies as a company and it was very discriminatory you can do stuff like that as a white person as well um yes And then like creating safe spaces for people to discuss their experiences with racism, kind of like Monique said right now, there's not much of an avenue for that in schools, but that's not just in schools. That's for society as a whole. So be thinking about in your business, wherever you work, whatever you do, how can you create that safe space or that procedure, that avenue for people to discuss their experiences with racism and have that addressed because that will help them to 
feel advocated for and you know create some unity um other things that I have on here for black people you know if you're experiencing gaslighting our biggest thing is self-care make sure you're advocating for yourself speak up on it if you feel like you know you're feeling some type of way if it makes you feel bad it probably is bad just like I tell my second graders if it doesn't feel good it's probably not good um so speak up for yourself (laughs) advocate for yourself Report it if you feel it's necessary. Remove your situation from or remove yourself from the situation to prevent being gaslighted further. That one's really important because you're just going to sometimes have those people who are like, but mm, I don't think that's what it is. And they're just going to keep going and gaslighting and gaslighting and gaslighting. Sometimes you just have to pick your battles and understand who's worth talking to and who's not worth talking to. Ignorance is bliss. And if you have a person like that, it's not going to make you any less valuable or any less proud to be a person of color if you choose to remove yourself from that situation. That's you continuing to validate and advocate for yourself and is just as empowering. Um, And then also, if there is a safe person that you can talk to, you know, go talk just go talk to them. Um, for white people, again, advocate for the people who are being gaslighted, affirm what they're saying, and do not argue. Don't argue. It's not an argument. It should be an argument about someone who's experienced racism, discrimination, injustice, um, hate crimes, anything of that nature. That should not be an argument or be responded to with like a but or some sort of reasoning for why it happened. So, any others that you can think of? Um, no, I think that's I think that's good. The only other thing I wanted to say, um, just in general, is that the yeah, gaslighting keeps us, keeps black people, people of color, from having conversations about racism. And if we can't even talk about it, we can't confront it. If we can't confront it, we can't dismantle it. Right. So it really does start with being able to have the conversation. It's very important. Exactly. Thank you. I feel like that's the perfect way to wrap it up. So if any of you have questions, comments, concerns about this particular podcast, you can definitely just shoot me a message um, to my personal Instagram, which is butterfly underscore kisses, except the E's or threes. Um, Or you can just message the Instagram account at Let's Talk Race Podcast. You can email me at Lathan, L-A-T-H-A-N-T-8-2-6 at gmail.com. Um, and I'll get back to you. I'll respond if we get enough, you know, questions and, and comments and things of that nature. Maybe we can even do a, a little part two of this episode but feel free to you know comment and and let us know what you're thinking and thanks for um listening to us today and stay tuned for the next episode monique thanks for being on as always it's a pleasure appreciate you trey (laughs) bye y'all bye guys talk to you later